You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. I know it is nothing new that the media lies to you. We've said it on this show so many times that it's almost like an unofficial mantra. But the media does lie to you constantly. They lie to all Americans. They lie to themselves. But you've seen a shift, and this is clear with the Hunter Biden story as we now have it, because it's a condensed enough period on an important enough issue that it's clear as day what's going on here. Let me tell you, the, the, the old model or the old thinking about this was that the mainstream media lies to you largely out of a subconscious bias. They don't even know how liberal they are. They don't even know how much there are Democrat activists pretending to do journalism. So what they do is to them completely fair minded. Now, that's insane and it's obviously wrong and delusional, but they at least can consider themselves. They at least think they have that going for them. They, they believe that at whatever level. But now when you see what's happened with this Hunter Biden storyline, which I also I'm still not sure that that alone would have had a dramatic effect on the election. But we can't know. That's the problem. That's the point. Now it's too late. We can't run the experiment again. But the Hunter Biden story was suppressed in such a way that anyone can see. It is very clear. It is very obvious that they did this intentionally and they did this uh, without any remorse, without any sense that. They were betraying their professions, that they have scruples or ethics. It's not about that anymore. This, this is the change. It's not that they think they're being fair minded. Now they just weaponize whatever they've got. Now it's out. It's all out in the open. They are on team destroy Trump, uh, team destroy Trump, team help Biden. That's what they're doing. That is the plan. It's what's going on here. So uh, the media is a disgrace and social media has now amplified it. And I, I do believe I believe that there is right now a, a greater degree of aggressiveness and brazenness from the mainstream media than there's been in a long time because they've got social media now running cover for them. So they figure now is the time. Now is their moment. Crush the opposition lie to everyone's faces, get away with it, rub our noses in it. That's what they're doing. What examples could I point to on this? Oh, there there are countless ones right now. But let's just start before I get into how disgraceful and dishonest they were on this story and and how it's clear now. And this is the, the real takeaway. This was not an accident. They didn't really think that the Hunter Biden laptop was stolen or hacked. That was all a lie. And they knew it was a lie. They didn't really believe any of this was Russian disinformation. They knew that was a lie. The point now is that with social media running cover for them, backing them up, magnifying their lies, they feel comfortable doing whatever they've got to do to achieve power. They don't care. They don't care that you and I know. I think that's important. We used to believe that if we held a light up to them, if if we were able to 
express our outrage at how they violated their principles and they're not really being journalists, that there was some cause and effect there, that there would be some uh, responsiveness from their side. I mean, I think that was always overstated, but they don't care what you think. They don't care what anybody who's not a Biden supporting Trump hating leftist thinks. They simply do not care. Does not matter to them. We are now in a post journalism world in this country where all we have are these warring propaganda machines. And now propaganda can be for the good, right? We, the Allies engaged in propaganda during World War II against the Nazis. It was good propaganda, right? So let's understand that that word can usually have a negative connotation, but what else? We could call it polemics. We could call it fierce debate, whatever you want to say. We have to defeat their arguments and we have to actually defeat their power grabs or else they'll just continue to do this and continue to get away with it. Um, so here we have perfect example. I mean, and there's so many examples that we could choose from, but here's a perfect example of this. Politico, which considers itself to be an insidery politics first publication in D.C. I mean, it's a, it's a bunch of libs. They could the, the Politico is for people who couldn't get jobs at the New York Times, but, you know, we're almost there pretty close. And they they put out this before the election. I mean, you look at this stuff and it's it's just amazing. Hunter Biden's story. This is before the election. This is in October. Is Russian disinfo. Dozens of former intel officials say more than 50 former intelligence officials signed a letter Casting doubt on the provenance of a New York Post story on the former president's son. What does that even mean? Who cares what 50 former intelligence officials think about the New York Post reported? What do they know about it that the New York Post doesn't? The answer was nothing. But this was a smokescreen. This was a classic smokescreen operation. Just put something up there to obscure what's really going on. That's what they did. Now you go to the story from this week. Justice Department's interest in Hunter Biden covered more than taxes. Actually covered uh, federal prosecutors also investigated foreign ties, including possible money laundering. Money laundering is a serious crime. It's a federal felony. You can go to prison for quite a few years for that one. So this is the same publication a few weeks apart. And I think that our belief that the, what we will usually fall back on, on our side is See, look at how dumb they look. Ha ha, the journos, the journos are being silly journos again. And I'm here to tell you, that's not how they view it. The New York Times, CNN, the Washington Post, MSNBC, all the major news publications, platforms, channels across the country that are not explicitly right of center. All of them. All of them now have trended toward this, but the big players in the space, CNN, The Times, The Post, they don't do these things and then feel embarrassed when they get caught. They're doing them now and they're saying, what are you going to do about it? And the answer, and I'm going to tell you this, and not a lot of other people will. The answer on the right is we got to figure that out because we don't have a good answer yet. And people ask me, what can we do? And I I share all of their frustration. I mean, I'm seething over stuff like this. When I dig into it, I'm doing this research. I just I just want to just shout 
profanity when I see this stuff happening. But they do it now and they look you in the eyes and they say, that's right. And it worked. This is the Harry Reid school. And the, and the Democrats do this all the time. And they're and the media now is just open about it. Remember what Harry Reid said about the completely baseless smear. I'm no Mitt Romney fan, as you know, but Mitt Romney has always paid his taxes. OK, Mitt Romney is not a is not a guy who hasn't failed, uh, hasn't reti- uh, filed tax returns in 10 years. No way. That Boy Scout, absolutely not. OK, that guy pays his taxes. Is he rich? Is he a plutocrat? Is he a sellout? Sure. But by the way, not that there's anything wrong with being rich. We should all be so lucky. But here we are now uh, looking at the true manifestation of the philosophy that Harry Reid very clearly outlined for us when he was asked, sir, what do you what do you think now about the fact that you lied about Mitt Romney's tax returns? He clearly did. His response was, well, he didn't win, did he? That's what the entire mainstream media, they're all laughing at us now behind closed doors. We sit here and we say, see, you guys don't do what you say you're going to do. And they giggle in our faces and say, oh, yeah, sorry, I guess we made that mistake. I I guess we had a little bit of a slip up on the Hunter Biden stuff. Uh Oh, we'll do better in the next election. Sure. In the meantime, enjoy being shut down. Enjoy having your conservative websites and commentators, people like me. Shut down on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. And who knows what Google's doing? Google's the most powerful company in the world right now. Google's the most powerful company in the world. All in. We don't even know what they're doing. Who do you think is going to stop them? Oh, you think a bunch of Republicans who are getting a lot of money from big tech? You think Mike Lee is going to all of a sudden be the great savior of the republic against the big tech oligarchs who are handing our country over to the radical left? I don't think so. Not that guy. Here we are seeing it couldn't be any more clear, couldn't be any more obvious. They do this now and they don't apologize. They do it because it is the mission. This is not something that just occurs. This isn't a an unwanted byproduct of their political aspirations. This is how they do what they do. And now we get to what can we all do about it? The answer is stop trusting them on anything. Don't read them. Don't support them. Don't click on them. Don't uh, accept it when they put someone forward who's, oh, well, we've got some conservative voices at CNN. No, they don't. They do not. Not that are worth a damn. So don't do it. You all have the ability to vote with your dollars. You all have the ability to be a part of this movement based on who you support, who you listen to, who you help. And I, and I tell you openly, please make me one of them. If you're listening to this show, get as many people as you can in your orbit to listen to this because you think they're being told this message elsewhere. Do you think that any friend of yours and, you know, good patriotic Americans who probably aren't that into the news cycle, aren't as into politics as you are, if you're listening to this. You know, they're 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 listening to, you know, NPR and they're listening to PBS and they're, you know, they, they're trying to get information, too. And they're just being constantly propagandized to they're being brainwashed. It's not their fault. Brainwashing is very effective. If you if you study and if you look at cults, there's actually some stories on this recently. A lot of very smart people fall for cults, usually because they think they're too smart to fall for a cult. 
Same thing is true of brainwashing. You've got to be very aware. You've got to be self-effacing. And the dominant media, unfortunately, the liberal media, the mainstream, they're achieving a position again where they can just fully stifle the other side. They don't have to pretend anymore that there should be balance in media and, you know, equal time and fairness doctrine and all this stuff. No, 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 no. They want the same way they want absolute political dominance. They're going for absolute media dominance. And they're in a better position now than they've been in in a very long time. And we all need to be aware of that. Fox News alone and a handful of, you know, radio personalities and a couple of publications. Not enough. Not enough. If it were enough, Joe Biden wouldn't have gotten however many 70 or 80, 80 million votes, I think is what they're saying now. Right. Eighty four million or 80, 80 million. I mean, Joe Biden, he got 10 million more than Obama. Right. So so let's call it uh, 80 million. Uh, Joe Biden wouldn't have been able to get that. But the propaganda machines are very powerful. And I, I know there's there's more we'll dig into with this Hunter Biden stuff. I've also seen people now calling. Did anyone call for a special counsel into Hunter Biden before I did? I'm just curious because I put that out on Twitter and it started to catch fire. And now I'm hearing a lot of people say, oh, we should have a special counsel for Hunter Biden. Yeah, we should. In fact, this is a perfect example of what we should have a special counsel for. A criminal investigation involving the son of a possibly incoming president? That's when you appoint it. And you appoint it now. You don't wait until there's another president who happens to be the one whose son would be under criminal investigation. But we need to reorient our thinking a bit on this. We've caught them in the fraud about it's no one really could have believed it was Russian disinformation, but that was the disinformation. The claim was the deceit. That was the whole point. And at some level, it was successful. At some level, it worked. And all that means is they're going to do it again. There's no good faith. There's no common ground. There's no reaching across to the other side of the media and saying, can't we all agree on the following? Can't we have fair rules of the road? No, we are now in a an all out political media war. That's where we are. We need to understand that. And everybody has a role to play. Everybody can choose who they watch, who they listen to, who they tell their friends, who they support, and the ideas that come with all of that. So you absolutely every day are making choices that play a role in this fight. Don't forget that. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get the latest news and information from Buck by heading to BuckSexton.com. Now let's get into some of the best exchanges to identify the smug intentional dishonesty and and overall idiocy of so many in, in the mainstream media and we're talking about some of the most established names in journalism people who have a fancy accent and work on a specific kind of presentation on television and then everyone's supposed to think they're so smart just because they have this very pompous accent and it's all really just like they're an actor. But we think they're smart anyway for no reason. Christiane Amampol, you'll remember her perhaps. She had this exchange when the Hunter Biden laptop was exposed. When we got into all this, she had this exchange on CNN. And you got to hear it. Play one. 
Okay, you know what also the United States government says? The FBI says this laptop is not Russian disinformation. So what are you talking about here? This laptop is real. It's not just the laptop. There's other emails. There's text messages. They are real. So okay. according to the Guess U.S. What? government, the I know FBI that you're has to verified move everybody to look at that, but that's not what we're hearing from Why the FBI. Why don't we want to report but this? What? This is the, one of the what? most powerful no, because families Liz, in Washington. Liz, the Liz. Biden family. And you're okay? You're okay with all our interest being sold out to profit uh, Joe Biden and his family when when we're suffering during a pandemic from communist yes, China. He's doing shady business absolutely. deals Liz, with as communist you know China. You're well, comfortable. Okay. As, as you know perfectly well, I'm a journalist and a reporter and I follow the facts. And there has never been Which, any issues yes, in terms this. of corruption. Now, let me ask you this. Yesterday, the wait, FBI... Wait, wait, the wait, wait. FBI How do you know and, that? I'm talking about reporting... And any evidence? I'm talking to you now. Okay, I would love if you guys would start doing that digging and start doing that verification. No, we're not going to do your work for you. I want to ask you a question. The FBI, contrary, it's a journalist's job to to, to find out if this is verified. How much insane crap can Christiana Mumpool say in one interview? I I just want to know. This is this is on on CNN. In some ways, they're their longest running and, and best known host. I mean, Amanpour goes back to the Larry King days and uh, she's saying, I'm a journalist. She also says that's not what we're hearing from the FBI. It was the most obvious news story ever. They had the guy's laptop. They had all of his personal information. It was clearly his laptop. But the problem is that Amanpour, after all this, you think she looks like a moron, so she'd be upset. No, she probably got a pat on the head, maybe even a bonus from Jeff Zucker for this disinformation you're in the freedom hut this is the buck sexton show podcast for more buck head to bucksexton.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast i wish you would interview joe biden like you interview me it would be so good you know what you the, like this the, i thought i thought you i don't mind spots, it i don't mind it. but when i watch him walk out of his store and he's walking with a Ice cream. And the question the media asks him, what kind of ice cream, what flavor ice cream do you have? <laughs> and he's in the midst of a scandal. He's not. And he's taking, he's of course not. he is, no. Leslie. Come on. Of course he is. It's the biggest, second biggest scandal. So The biggest scandal was when they spied on my campaign. They spied on my well, campaign, There's Leslie. no real evidence of that. Of course there is. No. It's all over the place. Leslie, Sir, they spied on my campaign and they got I, caught. Can I say something? You know, this is 60 Minutes. And we can't put on things we can't no, verify. You won't put it on because it's bad for Biden. We can't Look, put on say, things we can't verify. Leslie, they spied and, on my campaign. Well, we can't verify that. It's been that. totally verified. No. It's been, just go down and get the papers. They spied on my campaign. They got caught. No. And then they went much further than that, and they got caught. And you will see that, Leslie, and you know that, but you just don't want to no. put it on the air. No, as a matter of fact, I don't know that. Okay. No, as a matter of fact... I don't apparently read any of the various lengthy reports from the DOJ on this or what the Congress and the various oversight committees have proven. And no, this is 60 minutes. We don't do facts that make Democrats sad on the inside. That's what she's telling you. Again, looks like an idiot to anybody who knows anything about Russia collusion. The attorney general of the United States said and used the word spying on the campaign and was ba- and, and backed it up afterwards. They said, oh, well, you didn't really mean spying. They said, no, no, no. I meant spying on the campaign. That's the sitting attorney general. 
But 60 Minutes knows better? This is 60 Minutes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's all a fraud, friends. They're, 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 you know how uh, Satan is the father of lies? The mainstream media is the grandfather of lies, okay? They're, they're coming up with this stuff all the time, all the time, and they don't care. You catch them, it does not matter because they're doing it for a reason. The reason is not to inform people. It is to please their Democrat audience, to make them feel happy on the inside, and to crush conservatives. That is why they exist. They do not exist for the truth. They do not exist to tell you things as they are. And they don't care when you catch them anymore. That's that's the big difference now. There's no pretense. So just think here's a perfect example of, of the transition that I'm talking about. Go back. Look, just do a you can do a you know a time constrained Google search, you know, put it in the, in the tools and you go to the dates. Go back and do a search five years ago on social media bias against conservatives and all, all these websites would say, oh, but, you know, we don't do it all in the social media platforms. Oh, that's not that was a mistake. Oh, we didn't mean to do that. Oh, no, no, no. And now it's gone to the point where they're just going, yeah. What are you going to do about it? That's right. We are attacking. you. We are coming after you. We are shutting you down and cutting you off. And get ready for the possibility here of Joe Biden getting a televised shiatsu massage for the next four years. I mean, it's going to be embarrassing. Joe's going to be every interview. It's going to be the equivalent of Joe Biden saying, oh, yeah, no joke. My shoulders really, uh, you know, man, it's tight up there. And uh, yeah, that's right. Get into those knots. Yeah. A little more oil. Yeah, that's right. That's what the media is going to be doing to Joe Biden for four years. If he is president and if he lasts four years in office, because let's be honest, friends, we're already seeing some very interesting indicators, aren't we? No, no, no. I don't know this. I'm thinking this one through as I talk to you. But sure, the media is now coming clean on the on the Hunter Biden stuff. And I, I shouldn't say coming clean. They're just they have to now drop the, the facade. But why now? Why are they dropping the facade now? They probably could have extended this out a little bit longer, waited until after the inauguration. Why do it now? And they don't seem upset about this at all. And remember that they are a bunch of conniving, backstabbing, behind the scenes manipulators. That's what the mainstream media is full of. So why would they all of a sudden be so calm about clearly very negative uh revelations about joe biden that aren't really revelations as you know i mean it's even tough to talk about this because the the words that we end up using in the this is not a news story this is just the media saying whoopsie lied to you sorry but not sorry that's really the media's new mantra sorry not sorry they don't care that's all this is why is this happening now why is this occurring in this moment i have told you all along it is my belief that Kamala Harris was very likely to take over for Joe Biden early in a Biden administration and that this would work out for all those involved. As far as the Democrats are concerned, Joe Biden gets to be a hero, the savior of our democracy from the clutches of Trump and Trumpism and hand it over to the first 
black female president. After being vice president for eight years, the first black president. Right. Joe Biden gets to be a hero for the ages. In fact, if you look at the legacy of Biden versus, say, the legacy of the Clintons, Biden, if he pulls this off, will be a more revered name. And who would have thought that could have been the case? But here we are. I'm talking about among Democrats. Great hero to the party. And I think that we all need to see that that's given Biden's age. Right. If Biden were like a strapping guy of, you know, if he was in his early 60s and, you know, looked like I mean, I think when Bush came into office, I remember someone telling me who was in that White House that, you know, he could run multiple uh, multiple miles under seven minutes. And I mean, he was like a, you know, a young, vital guy. And then, of course, after eight years of being president, he looked like he had aged about 30 years. But, you know, if Biden were in his even in his early, early 60s, I would say, or just his 60s, I'd say, yeah, he's going to make it. He's going to go all eight years. Guys, he's going to be 80 soon. And those of you who have people in your in your lives who I mean, the difference for a lot of people, not for all people. And so I don't need to get the emails from our wonderful Team Buck audience who are in their 80s who could still kick my butt. I appreciate I know that you're out there. But for a lot of people, the difference between 70 and 80 is really substantial. And just in terms of their energy and their and that's OK. It's true for all of us. This is not this is no way is this a anything other than an observation. You know, when I'm 70, it's going to be different than when I'm 80. I mean, gosh, I'm going to be 40 soon and feels very different from when I was 30. I got to tell you. So we all have this. We all have this understanding. Joe Biden is going to deteriorate more in office with all the pressure and stress under him in terms of his aging and everything else. And it's so easy for him to step aside. But I think the media wants him to. This could be and this is really where I'm going with this analysis analysis. This could be the greatest bait and switch. This could be the, the biggest maneuver in politics in our lifetime. They essentially get this guy who doesn't seem that radical. At least that's what they're saying. And they push this guy and all this stuff. And then they just replace him with somebody who's completely willing to do whatever the corporate left wants. Emphasis on corporate. Kamala Harris is, is a liberal, but she likes, you know, she likes the dollar dollar bills. I mean, she's somebody who wants the Googles and the Facebooks and the, you know, the Soros Foundation. And she wants all that to be on her you know, Planned Parenthood. All that's got to be on her side. And they're on the side of the radical left, as we know, anyway. But I, I can't help but notice that there's a uh, a sense here of. Oh, okay. Turns out maybe Joe Biden does have some problems and the the left isn't fighting this enough. They're not even trying to run cover on it right now. They're just saying, yeah, sorry. I mean, they don't care, as I've said to you. They don't care, but they could have held it a little bit longer. Look, may, maybe I'm maybe I'm reading further into this than I should. That's always possible. But I don't think Joe Biden makes it to the midterms. I really don't. And you have this time, meaning that he he voluntarily steps aside for health reasons, which would be. Not there. There would never be a way to prove that that was planned versus that that was the reality. There's a very decent chance Joe Biden could have a real health reason to step aside in the next four years. Right. That wouldn't be a surprise. So the door is wide open for it. But I, I think um, and I, I'm not talking so much about this Biden thing because I've given up. So you don't need to tell me that I haven't given up yet. I had Sean Parnell on yesterday. We're taking this thing to the Supreme Court and. 
We all all it takes is one big break in the dam. That's what it takes. And it could be this Pennsylvania case. It'd be amazing if my buddy Sean was part of the legal effort that changed history. But, you know, he he knows it's a long shot. He's told you that. But it it's still a shot. Uh, but with Biden, I'm I'm just sensing now this is at least the media's thinking and the Democrat Party's thinking, which is why this Time magazine thing is just so interesting. Who do you think the Time magazine person of the year is? Person of the year. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, not the people that have put together a vaccine that might give us back our lives within the next six months, because that's really what it's going to be. Not the people that have done that, not uh, our frontline health care workers. You know, they've done this sort of group thing before. They'll say the, that the person of the year and they'll name a group of people. No, no. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, person of the year. Time magazine. This is the only thing that, that anyone ever talks about with Time magazine, just because it's, it's had this ability to put this stamp of person on the year for going back. I don't even know now how many decades, 50, 60, 70 years, whatever, maybe more than that. I have no idea. Uh, but we, so we still say this, but it just shows you where the mentality is right now. You know, they they couldn't just put Joe Biden on that cover. They had to put Kamala Harris. They had to put the vice president. Joe Biden, they think, won this election. That's what we're all being told this has happened. Of course, no fraud, no fraud at all. Of course, there was fraud. But Joe Biden won this election and. Here we are now. Seeing the Kamala Harris shares the cover with him. Time magazine. These are little indicators. These are things that in the media world, you always pay attention to what the, what the photo placement is in the media world. Who's in the center? Who's on the sides? Who has a good photo picked of them? Who has kind of a crappy photo picked of them? Because there's decisions going into all this all the time, which is why people in the media are usually so crazy and, and uh, finicky about stuff like this. But they put Kamala on that cover for a reason, friends. That much I know. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure you go check out BuckSexton.com. We got Judge Emmett Sullivan as the new face of Trump derangement syndrome. That's a story up there. And we've also got Dems were effective in distracting from their own skeletons in the closet, BuckSexton.com, breaking down all that for you. A lot of what you hear on the show, we're going to be writing up and, and putting on that site. And you got to check it out. Uh, BuckSexton.com. Make it a homepage. Check it throughout the day. You can listen to the podcast there, too. So you can always just share that site with somebody and say, hey, this is where you can listen to this guy's uh, radio show. All right. Now, what is what is the reality of the Georgia election that's coming up. We've got to be focused in on this thing. Uh, I think we, you know, I worry about the psychology of the right at this point in time because Trump supporters are, look, I get it. People are upset. They're dejected. We've got people talking about the road to secession here, right? This is, this is upsetting. It's an emotionally challenging period i'll put it that way a lot of other words i'd like to use but this is a family show it's an emotionally challenging period it is messed up you could say that's family friendly uh but if we don't get our heads right and get into this fight in georgia and make sure that these senate runoffs 
go our way, then we really got problems. No matter what, we can focus as much as we need to and push at support and people are sending donations and they're keeping the story alive and they're spreading uh, spreading word about the fraud. And, and, and I think we also don't have enough time, which has always been my concern here. They keep saying, well, wh- where's the fraud? Show us the proof. And I say, well, how long is you got to go? And sig- they're talking to tens of millions, over 100 million votes. You're not looking at them everywhere, obviously, only in certain states and certain precincts. But it's a big operation. And you got to go and do hand recounts and check signatures. This takes time. And we don't have a lot of time. But that said, this Georgia election, the Democrats are hoping that we don't show up. Those of us who live in and are registered in the state of Georgia, of course, because we don't commit we don't commit fraud. That's what Democrats do. Mike Pence is telling everybody, I know Trump and, and Pence are out there pushing for Leffler and for Purdue. And here's Pence making the very straightforward case that we got to show up for this thing. Play five. I know we all got doubts about this last election. I know I do. And, but I actually hear some people saying here in the Peach State, just don't vote. Well, my fellow Americans, if you don't vote, they win. If you don't vote. There could be nothing to stop Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi from cutting our military, raising taxes, and passing their agenda to the radical left. So I want to say to you from my heart, for all we've done, for all we have yet to do, for our president, for our future, for Georgia, and for America, cast another vote for all President Trump has accomplished. Cast a vote to send David Perdue and Kelly Leffler back to the United States Senate. He's absolutely right. In fact, my only criticism would be that if they took the Senate majority, it would be a lot scarier than just raising taxes and cutting the military back a bit. It would get much worse than that. Uh, They will go for long-term, strategic, structural changes to the American political landscape so that then they can win on any issue. Then it's just a question of what their base wants, what the Democrats decide to do. They don't have to worry about, oh, we're going to get we're going to get thumped in the midterms because we'll make a difference. That's what eliminating the filibusters, statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico and amnesty and packing the courts would would accomplish. He's laid out right there. We're not winning another, another election for 30 or 40 years if they get those things done. And they know it. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Harsanyi time, everybody. Our friend David Harsanyi, the, the sage of Harsanyidom. He joins us now. He's a senior writer at National Review. Check out NationalReview.com for his latest. He's got a lot of thoughts up there. And he wrote a piece this week, in fact, on... The Hunter Biden uh, story killing. Let's get to that. David, great to have you. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Buck. So, David, I, I have a thesis and, and you can I, you know, I'm sure you have either uh, either another view on this. That's a little divergent or maybe you want to add to it or, or, you know, you'll do what you do. But here's here's what I want to put out there for you. I think we're at a point now that the media that and when we say I know we don't have great terms here, right? The mainstream media, the lib media, whatever Democrat aligned media, which controls 90 percent of journalism, as we know, 95 percent, really. 
I think we're at a point now where they get caught doing things that violate the core ethics of their profession, like the suppression of the New York Post piece turning against them. The New York Times writing some palace intrigue piece about how in the newsroom at the Post. I mean, we had you on to talk about this. I remember you saying that there were. Yeah, there are people that have disagreements in a newsroom all the time. But the point is, is the story true and should it have been run? I think the media, David, is at a point now where they just don't care if they're caught as long as it was for the right cause. That is Democrats. No, of course they don't care. That's their mission is to help elect Democrats. Uh, You know, it's not as if they're suffering. You see the New York Times or even CNN. It's not like they there is some kind of, uh, you know, everyone knows what they do. So there's no blowback to anything like this. This is the they're playing to their crowd. They're left wing organizations. They're partisan organizations, uh, you know, and that's what they do. They don't care about stories like the Hunter Biden story because it hurt their candidate. They knew very well that the post story had been conducted. The reporters had conducted themselves with the same ethical standards and the same journalistic standards that you know a vast majority of, 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 of other stories used and scoops used, they just wanted to suppress it. And they did, and no, none of them care. None of them today are like, wow, maybe we should have conducted ourselves differently. I, at least I haven't seen anyone do that. No, that's my, I, have not, I have not seen a single person who apologized for lying about the, I mean, to call it Russian disinformation, Ben Rhodes, the former Obama White House uh, foreign policy propagandist, who is really one of the more odious figures of the Obama administration, you know, in its in its totality. He called it Russian disinformation at the time. Many, many other people were. I mean, that was the talking point. You could go all these different cable news shows, MSNBC, CNN and all the rest. They're all saying that it was Russian disinformation, which it clearly was not. And there's no mea culpa at all. In fact, the only mea culpa that I've seen came from, I think it was a guy at Politico during the suppression effort who was sorry publicly for sharing the New York Post story. (laughs) Yeah, you're right about that. I remember that. It's funny because Politico ran one of the most dishonest stories. Politico is is a complete joke, but they ran the most dishonest piece where they had uh, Brennan and a bunch of other former figures within, uh, you know, other administrations say that this might be Russian disinformation. But even they didn't come out and say for sure it was or anything of that nature. But yet the whole thing was couched in a way to make it seem like, well, you know, it could be. Yeah, well, anything could be Russian disinformation, right? I mean, so we can literally cover nothing. We the post had its hands on the on the laptop. All they have to do is go and ask for confirmation from Biden himself, which they have now done. Because how long can you ignore a story that's under, you know, if there's a federal investigation into someone, you can't pretend that doesn't exist forever. But now, of course, it, it's been blunted and all that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I laid out a bunch of examples of how people were uh, misleading on the story, suppressing the story, how they were, there were more stories, process stories about the post newsroom than there was about the, uh, the front running candidate of the United States possibly being involved in what is essentially either criminally corrupt, but at the very least shady business dealings with authoritarian states. Um, but you know, they don't care. So I think that the main thing here is I mean, I'll keep complaining my whole life. The main thing is we're going to have to, people who care about, the truth, even when it's about Democrats, need to come up with a better plan 
than relying on these organizations and institutions which don't do their job anymore. Well, they do do their job, but their charge is very different from the one they pretend it is. I'm just wondering, uh, on his show earlier this week, Tucker referred to the Daily Beast as he said something like probably the, the worst left wing website that does news on you know that, that people know of that does news. Is there one offender that you think is, is the worst at all of this? Because Daily Beast is, is a good choice. Uh, I actually think in, in a lot of ways, really, CNN.com is actually the single worst site on the Internet. But is there one that bothers you more than the others? See, I, I think the Daily Beast is a joke, though I do. There is one reporter I sort of like over there. But in general, I mean, I think the editor is a, a complete joke of a, of a uh, report, you know, a journalist. I don't think they're journalists over there at all. But uh, the problem with, with that is that everyone know, knows that and deals with them in a certain way, where CNN positions itself as an unbiased source and actually prides itself with its stupid banana apple commercials with uh one of the anchors was wearing like fax first sweater the other day, you know, things like that. It's just annoying. But uh, so to me, CNN is the, has the, is the most egregious because of people like Jake Tapper and others who are complete activists pretending to be journalists. So for me, I think CNN is the worst. Yeah, I, I, well, I totally, totally agree, obviously. And I, I think that uh, it's something that people need to just we, we need to come at all this now, not as, oh, sometimes these places lie to us. In terms of their motivations. Now, it's not no one lies about the facts all the time because that's counterproductive. Right. Even and, and people I and mean, I have some familiarity with propaganda from studying it as an intelligence officer to see how other countries do it. And also in the Soviet Union, you know, you, you want to use some factual basis for things and then you want to either spin it in a certain way or leave certain things out. So it's not about that. It's not like we're all going to be using a different number for covid cases, for example, it's about things like this. What do they suppress? What do they actually tell you? How do they, uh, you know, what information do they want you to be aware of? What are the headlines that they're using? But David, I, I guess, and, and we're speaking to David Harsani of National Review here, nationalreview.com. What, what do we do about this? I get asked this question, and it's a great question when people ask me, but I'm not always sure that I have a, a great answer. And just quickly, what you said about there being a kernel of truth and all kinds of misleading propaganda, you know, as far as, you know, the history of the world goes, that's always the case. There's always some, you know, every conspiracy theory, for instance, is somehow has one leg in the truth or it wouldn't seem plausible to people. So that's, of course, the case. And the worst defenders who deal with that kind of thing are fact checkers who are perhaps the low. It's the lowest form of journalism there is, in my opinion, at this point. Anyway, I move forward. I, I enjoy bashing these people, but uh, what can we do about it? Well, there's not much uh, right now in the sense that I think that you have to keep pointing it out and, and in essence, fact checking them in their genuine uh, use of the term as they go along. But the problem is, and I've said this on your show before, is that, you know, it costs a lot of money and it takes a lot of work and there has it takes a lot of time to actually really report on big stories. Sometimes you have to put reporters on it for months a year more even. And the problem with doing that for smaller places, National Review, Federalist, whoever, even Washington Examiner and places that are trying to do more old school journalism is that it's super expensive and they just don't have the institutions to do it. Whereas, you know, the New York Times has, I don't know how many reporters in the newsroom. I imagine a thousand, I think. I think I think they've got a thousand yeah. people that work at the New York Times. Right. When I worked at the Denver Post in the heyday of newspapers, there were 400 people, I think, there. So you're talking about there used to be a lot of reporters doing a lot of work and having very specific beats and so on, where it's very difficult to do. But I just don't see any other way 
to combat this because I think journalism is, has been corrupted by journalism from journalism professors all the way up the line to the top editors. Um, they've turned on free speech. They've turned on. It's not even a net. It's not bias anymore. That is completely something you can deal with. It's much worse than that. So I don't know. I don't really have answers to what we what we meaning anyone who is upset by that can do. Um, I think right wingers need to start their own journalistic outfits and do the work. Um, but I wish there were very much places that the AP or Reuters pretend to be, you know, just people who just give us the, you know, just the bare bones facts about what's going on out there. I think, that, um, by the way, I think there is helped. a, you know, there there could be a market for that. I, uh, for example, you know, if there was a place, if there was a place that did what CNN laughably pretends to do, I would be, I mean, I would be reading it. I'd be checking in. I mean, I'd kind of want to see what I could, what I could gather from that for my own purposes. If I, if I knew that I could trust the information was accurate, right, and that I wasn't getting all this nonsense. I mean, if you, if you're a I mean, I know I'm picking on CNN. There are many others. And CNN, I do think, is the worst offender in this regard. And it's gotten much worse even in the last four years. I'll say that having had personal experience of working at CNN and, and knowing it's gotten even even crazier. Uh, but but it seems to me, Brian, that, uh, uh, David, sorry, it seems to me Dad, just saw Kilmeade's face flashed on a screen for a second. And I got, uh, you know, this is the problem with having screens in your in your radio room. Um, David, it seems to me that the way that we we can fight against this is also severely limited by the fact that the social media companies now and I feel like the old like the Fox News watching generation, for example, people like me talk about YouTube and, and you know, and, and Twitter. And it's like, ah, eh, this is no, this is the new mainstream media like they're more powerful than CNN. I'm trying to get everyone to understand that even if people who are of a certain age and certain demo don't use these things. Well, I think you're right. In that, um, you know, people often point out a very, very small percentage of Americans actually use Twitter. But, you know, and that, of that percentage, very few use it all the time. But I do think that that things that happen on Twitter tend to filter up into the news and elsewhere. So I think it's that's more true. important than, than the credit that's given to it. But I also think it's been an amazing way for conservatives to combat things. Now, I get that Twitter, like, I, I, I think that Twitter is both terrible and excellent at the same time. It's both makes us terrible human beings. It, it allows fake news to filter. It makes us, you know, there's all kinds of terrible things going on. But honestly, how many big stories have there been debunked on Twitter by Twitter users in the last four, you know, eight years? I think many, right? First, it was blogs that were doing it. And now you have people on Twitter doing it. So it is an important tool. And that's why I worry about stripping liability protections from these folks, because I think you're going to kill social media in a way. And then that gives gatekeepers even more control because you're going to have less ways for a democratized, you know, uh, way for people to talk to each other. So I, again, I don't have any good answers for this, but I think that, uh, that talking to yourself on parlor, which is a fine site, whatever is not helping you in the sense that being out there, being able to debunk what CNN is saying in real time on Twitter, if you have a big following and you do, um, is much more effective. So giving up that fight and going to another platform, I don't know that that's really the answer. To I would it. say this, too. Um, and I just that we have learned so much about what is true about these journalists and how they think because of Twitter. Finally, it took it yeah. took a while for people to realize this, but the guy who's tweeting orange man bad, he's basically Hitler at 10 a.m. 
is not doing a fair recitation of the White House press conference at 4 p.m. And I think that that has been an enormous benefit of Twitter. Yeah, and if I may add, it's not just journalists, though. You Now you see what they're really about, the things they tweet, the exclamation points on stories, you know, all that kind of stuff. They're just completely unprofessional, and this goes for the vast majority of them. But you also see it with college professors. You know, my kids are going to go to college soon, and um, I'm like, I used to have a list. I'm like, I cannot send them to this college because this idiot or this unintellectual crackpot teaches there. But now there are too many schools with that I've seen professors from everywhere that, that I don't even know where. It's everywhere. I, I so, don't give a dollar to my college, and I have zero regrets about that. I can tell you that. David Harsanyi, everybody, check him out, nationalreview.com. And if you're not following him on Twitter, and you're on Twitter, you should be. David Harsanyi, kind of spell it out phonetically, you'll get there. David, thanks so much. Thank you.